0: Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program and Happy New Year, everyone. It is Sunday, January 7th. 2024 coming at you live from Florida media in rockville center got another spectacular show coming up for you tonight we always use nice positive uh, <laughs> verbs, verbs for that with me as always is mr stefan rosner and joining us tonight maple leafs beef writer david alter will be joining us from the hockey news to talk a little leaf since the isles will be playing them a little later in the week stefan rosner
1: how do you do viva las vegas how was that buddy? Viva Las Vegas. It was fantastic. You had a nice Again, time? by the way, I think it's adjectives, not verbs. But I'm um, you know, grammar.
0: Oh my god, you're right. Right, yeah. I quit.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm
0: done. No it, it is an adjective. Yes. Good oh. God.
1: Here we Good are. Thank uh, you, thank no. you. No worries. Um yeah, no. <laughs> it was great. Six AM flight this morning little couple hours to just relax, and then let's talk some hockey. Let's talk some hockey, but before we do, I want to thank
0: all of our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, and 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. Satisfy your hunger. At Blue Line Deli and Bagels, check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com. Also, a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Check them out at MainSTBoardGameCafe.com. Also, a big thanks to Razor and Kniff Attorneys at Law, ready to fight for you. Check them out at RazorandKniff.com, dot fcom for a free consultation. So, with that out of the way, Stefan. One one and one week, one two and one road trip for the Islanders. Uh, a little less than stellar, so I guess we can start talking about that. Obviously, we weren't able to talk about the week previous because we were off last week for the holiday. But the beginning of the road trip started with that three to one loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and then we get into next week. But um, we can we can briefly tush, touch on that Penguins game just to start the road trip off. What did you see there?
1: Wasn't great. I don't think it was lack of effort, and obviously it was better than the seven nothing shellacking they had earlier. But again, it's just. Starts right off the bat. That first goal that goes in when Romanov slides and it's Eller that scores, it's just... It's not how you want to start a game. Again, not a great play by Romanov, who, again, leaves his feet a little too often, especially on that goal, if you guys right. remember, is there was no... That guy had no angle to shoot. If it's right. shooting, it's a sharp angle mm-hmm. shot. Sorokin was on his goal line, too, which didn't help the cause. But any time you allow uh, Eller to score two goals in a game, <laughs> no offense, but... Uh, well, the, the is Islanders know.
0: have a tendency to let guys who, don't, who aren't really supposed to score score goals. That's, that's kind of their M.O.
1: Yeah, and again, just wasn't a great game. They weren't in sync mm-hmm. completely. A game they could have won, for sure. Sure, yeah. Samuel Bowling scores his first goal of the season, right? Um, right, right. But again, they, they come up short. And again, we look at that game against Capitals as a bounce back. But we talked about it that, okay, it's great that you did that, but now you got to build on it. And they didn't do that. And they go out, and you know it was going to get tough. The road trip is going to be tough. Colorado's a really good team. Arizona's a wild card team, and Vegas is is Vegas, even though if they're struggling. So that was kind of the game you wanted to have. But there were more games to be had, and it was still a chance to have a good road trip, and then we could get to that part of the road trip.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we'll start with the Colorado game. I mean, this is basically what's become now a a cliche, quintessential 2023-24 New York Islanders game where they have a lead, a multi-goal lead, except they just gave up the lead a little earlier this time. They're up 3-1 in the second period. Colorado comes back. They ultimately uh, end up going to overtime later on, and unfortunately, the Islanders could not get the second point, which has also been a little more common than you'd like if you're an Islander fan. But when you, if you want to look at the bright side here, it's another top team in this league. The Islanders were, run up, were able to run up some goals on; they just weren't able to keep pucks out of the net, and they come up empty-handed on the on the second point. Uh, but it's a positive way to start the trip because you say, okay, they stole one in Colorado. They went in there, they took one, and you look at the rest of the week and say, okay, this, this could end up being a, a decent road trip depending on how the rest of the games go. But talk about that Colorado game.
1: Yeah, again, they had a 2-1 lead, 3-1 lead, 4-3 lead. Engvall gets his first goal in like, what, a month? Like 10 games? No, <laughs> right. I think it was a month. Yeah. Um, and that came right after he was benched. Yep. yep. So that was important. Simon Holmstrom shot a puck at 5-on-5. Five five. Scored it. Also um, positive, yeah. And again, I didn't think Georgiev was good yeah. at all. And I think the Islanders exploited. it. The problem was, again, the defense and the penalties. Uh, mm. And then we have to get to it. Listen, if you blame penalties or missed calls for losses, I completely disagree with that because good teams find a way to overcome that. The Islanders did get screwed. A couple of times. That being well, said, thing. you still got to kill you can, it. But.
0: You can comment on the officiating, of course. If the officials make a bad call, which they're going to do, they, yep. they do it essentially every game. They're not going to see every call, or they're not going to see every call the way you're seeing it on your telecast, right? Especially on the on the slow motion instant replay. But... You know, I stop short of, of saying, OK, the referees are essentially the reason why the Islanders are lost there. or or beyond that, when you get the conspiracy theories coming up, like I see that on social media saying, ah, oh, the you know, the league has it out yeah. for the Islanders or they're, they're you know, they're trying to give the the abs or whoever they're playing a win. I stop short of that. And, you know, it's 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 a little much. But look again, the refs are going to shortchange every now and then. Is it intentional? Probably not, but it's gonna happen every now and then. And if the
1: Islanders' penalty kill was as good as it was last year, it's not gonna matter. I think right? the biggest issue the biggest issue is that Mike Riley um interference call at the blue line where they call it. Yeah. And you yeah. watch the replay and it looks just like incidental contact. And what kills the islanders is that they don't kill that off. And then in right. the dying seconds of the third, Nechushkin gets in all alone and Miko yeah, takes a everything.
0: hold. It changes
1: everything. It changes everything in yeah. that game. Now again, when that happens, your penalty has got to come up clutch. Again, good teams find a way to overcome the refs. And we go back to a tuna. It happens again on this road trip is that the Islanders' offense can't compete with anyone in this league. Mm. It's just their defense's inability to keep the puck out of their net. Now, again, does Sorokin deserve some of the blame? Yes, but at the end of the day, he's a le- he's faced the most amount of shots in the league. And he's just not superhuman like he was last year.
0: And, Stefan, you might remember this. It's, it escapes me at the moment, but I'm pretty sure there was a call later in the week that went the Islanders' way that looked pretty soft to me, but the Islanders got a, got a, basically got a nice little power play off of what almost looked like nothing. I think it was it ended up being called a, a hook, and it was almost a, no, you know what it was? It was the USA game. It was the USA oh. game against. Um, I think it was the final against against uh, who they play Sweden. Yeah, yeah. I think it was either that game or the Czech. Either way, it just it reminded me of, of what happened in the Islander game because it was just this ticky tacky play. But the thing is, my point is, even though it wasn't the Islanders, is that these calls are going to go you know your way one night and they're going to go the other way another night. It just happens. But but um, y- you bring up the Riley call, and it looked like he just got it skated in, got skated into. Yeah. But again. You know, at, at you know, depending on the ref's angle, the speed that he saw it at, maybe he gave the benefit of the doubt and he thought Riley took a step to get in his way and, and it ended up being an interference call. But but yeah, that was a bad well,
1: one for This sure. is why I think refs should have to speak after games. Not, they don't have to, you know, back and forth with questions. If I ask a ref, hey, what did you see? And they whether you agree or not with their call and they say, this is what I saw, if they saw what they thought they saw, they're making that call. Yeah. I have no issues if they get that wrong. If they're explaining that I saw Riley's step, I saw him make a move to step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, you could not like the call, but okay, he explained what he saw. Maybe you saw wrong, but in real in real time, that's what he saw. The problem is there's zero accountability, and I think that's an issue. I think refs should have to speak. Again, no issues if they missed it, but if they're explaining what they saw and they called what they saw, you can't really complain. You cannot like it, but you can't complain.
0: The league is very, very yeah. protective of the officials. Yeah, and it I, makes sense. I, I get it. I get it because it, be it would be kind of a field day if, if you have them – Addressing the media every night, you know what I mean. So yeah. I kind of understand it. Is it frustrating? Sure. Does it seem like they're not held accountable at least publicly? Absolutely. But I'm sure these guys are being spoke to both spoken to after every game. And, you know, what did you see there? Why'd you make that call? And, and I'm they're sure probably they're... doing
1: the same exact thing. And they say, okay, yeah. just to let you know that's not that wasn't correct. But if that's what you saw, and that's probably why there's not a you don't see refs getting fired all the time. It's a fat. Right. First off, it's a very fat. It's the game. toughest job.
0: Yeah, it's the toughest job. I, I mean, I can I couldn't do that job. I give, I give these guys a lot of credit, and 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 you know, the for errors is, is is just going to be higher in such a fast game like this, right? So it's tough. But but the play that upset me most in that game was the Cal Clutterbuck
1: play. At yeah, center ice. throwing it up in the middle. He can't Later do in
0: the game, all he had to do was send it deep, and he tried to get a little cute. He saw Pajot coming up, but he didn't see what he was coming up into. He ends up trying to get that centering pass and basically to to the center ice dot to Pajot as he's as he's coasting through. He ends up getting his pocket picked. It goes the other way, and, and it ends up turning into a disaster. I mean, just. All he had to do is get it deep. Penalty isn't called. They don't, they don't go into overtime, down a man. Ultimately, that power play goal isn't scored. Do they still get the second point? We will never yeah. know. But they certainly would have had a better chance if Clutterbuck just makes a safer play.
1: And again, that's a veteran, not a rookie. Right. If it's a ro- I mean, if it, either way, it's not a good play. But you're more understanding, okay, if it's like a bulldog, then you're like still learning how to play this game. <laughs> right. Uh, right. That's a play again. In two is when you see a guy like Engvall benched for mistakes that he makes... There, you know, I never thought Clutterbuck was going to get benched but if Lane wants to do the accountability thing then you thought okay maybe he sits a first shift of a game we've seen that before in the past under trots that a player sits well, but again I think Clutterbuck has more of that rope where Engvall's still second year here
0: for sure yeah. but, but not only that I mean, that stuff isn't universal across the board. When, when it comes to coaches, how they handle their players, they're all handled on an individual basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some guys need tough love. Some guys, you know, they need encouragement. You know, whatever it is. Engvall
1: clearly needs tough love. When he gets sad, he comes back and he has his he, best yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, he
0: scores a goal, right? And, and it seems that's what Lane's strategy is with Engvall, where it's like, okay, he's had a rough t- couple of games. He needs to see a game from the press box, right? And he gives him a game in the press box. He comes back, he scores a goal, and ends up you know, working out very well. And maybe he's just a guy who needs that. Maybe down the road, like a guy like Clutterbuck, he gets a little more rope or whatever it is. But right now it seems like he's a guy who Lane is willing to bench if and when he sees some issues. And and maybe that even goes beyond Engvall and, and extends to that line. I know we're going to talk about them later just with how they're performing, but maybe it was a wake-up call for all of them.
1: And you know for a fact, I mean, Clutterbuck is an ultimate pro team leader in that room. You know when they went to that locker room, he was like, Guys, I'm so, like he. There's no way he yeah, was trying to he make. Knew. Yeah, he exactly. Knew. But I think we should talk about Arizona, their yeah. best game. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> of the week. Yeah, best game of the week <laughs> of 2024. Yeah. Well, first <laughs> up, before the game, Matthew Barzal All Star. Everyone flipped out. How did How did um, Dobson knock it in? Third in assists, second in minutes per game. I have a couple of theories. Sure. One, Barzal's an, a household name. You know, it's all about draw for yeah, All Star games. So, but number yeah. two. Maybe. Again, no way to verify this. Dobson's played a lot of hockey. Mm -hmm. A lot. Do you think Lou wants to send him to an all-star game? When he can relax over a break. That's He'll a get there at some point. decent
0: theory also. He can get voted in. But, like, so many silly things go into this exactly. stuff. Like, it's also, if you pick one guy from this team, how's that going to affect picking another yep. guy from another team? Because it's all positional, too. They have to figure out what goalies are going to go. Yep. They have to figure out, you know, they only have so many defensemen, so many forwards, because they say, oh, well, if we send Dobson, then we might not be, and I'm just picking a name out yeah, of that. Yeah. Like, then they can't send Latang from Pittsburgh. Or, yeah. You know, or whoever it is. So, that stuff goes into it, too, so... You know, and especially with this this format now where they're doing it's three-on-three three and now they're doing the captains again and stuff like that. Like, they're, they're doing their best with what they have. And does no Noah Dobson deserve to go to the All-Star game? Of course he does. Yeah. He should have been the first guy, no question about it. But the, the league is juggling all these different things, and he might still get voted in anyway.
1: The East has one defenseman going so,
0: so far. Go. But again,
1: it's three-on-three. Three. Do you need a defenseman? Barzal also goes and competes in the, in the fastest skater, which, again, that also probably plays a factor in it as well. But anyway, Barzal, he had a fantastic game against Arizona. Collects uh, career point number 400 and career and point 401, number 401. Yeah. Mike Riley has a great game. horvat has got he's a great goal. game. Godier yep. just... Anytime Godier releases the puck, it's a snipe. And that was the biggest gripe with him right. over the last three or four years, no, that he's, he's all sweet, no finish. That yeah. was essentially him. Now he's finishing. Now he's finishing. So uh, great for them. But this game... Again, you start the game, you go up 2 nothing. it's 2-1, you allow a goal in the second, and that was the second period where Ilya Sorokin bailed them out. That was vintage sure. Sorokin of last year when the Islanders needed him to come up large. He made every save he had to, yeah, no, minus one that he had no chance on. very rough second
0: period for those guys.
1: Yeah, but then in the third, this is what we were talking about, when you play bad teams or weak teams. I think Arizona's a solid team. I didn't yeah. think Ingram had a great game, and I didn't think they played well, but they bury them in the third. Yeah. I mean, first off, three on O's, two on O's. I mean, everything seemed like a fast break.
0: Yeah, and what's interesting is you wonder why that's not happening more across the board, and the theory I have here in the early going is it's happening against teams that you would, I guess, consider lesser teams or, you know, not, not your Vegas's, not your Colorado's, yeah. not your Toronto's or whatever it is, right? Like, they, I know they did it against Columbus, I think, early in 70, the year. Yep. Yeah, where they opened the scoring up in the third period instead of clamped down. Now, was that because they weren't actually going for the kill or was it because they were playing against teams they were able to to go for the kill against, right? like We don't know if the, if the Islanders are going to be able to put two, three goals up in a third period when they're up two or three goals because they haven't really done that yet against the top team, right? It's always been tight against the, whether it's the Canes, the Avs, whoever it is, right? They, they always seem to be dragging them to the, to the end of the game with them, right? And, and going for that extra point late in the game. So we've yet to see if they can pull away from a team like whether it's Colorado or whomever.
1: We, we go from Arizona where they took advantage of all of Arizona's mistakes to Vegas where they could not. Take advantage of them. I didn't think Vegas played a great game. They just took advantage of every Isles mistake. I was looking
0: the first half. Yeah. First half of the game, they looked good. I,
1: again, the third period when they're down five, uh, like 4-2 already at that point, the game was, you could tell the game was done. The Islanders didn't have much. High danger chance after high danger chance. And Sorokin, he's making ridiculous saves. But start this game off. It was one nothing, And then Barzal tries to bank it off Thompson. And then like three minutes go by. Right. And there's, I know MSG cut to commercial. Mm-hmm. And we're watching and we see the under review. And you're yeah. watching and you're like, that's a clear goal. He mm-hmm. roofed that. So it's 1-1, one, one, and then again, just breakdowns, defensive zone breakdowns. You have, I got to look at this. Dorafeyev is left wide open at the back post. Mm-hmm. Wide open. Not, nothing Sorokin could do. Then you have the whole um, goal interference thing. And again, if you guys remember, Sorokin gets interfered with by Kolasar. His feet are in the crease. Islanders challenge, lose the challenge, allow a goal. So I asked Lane after the game what he thought about and why he made that challenge. So we have the audio here.
2: Well, we saw is putting the blue paint. We saw uh, Ilya's mask up against his body. And so it was the right call for us to challenge that.
1: Yeah, so they challenge it. They lose. They allow a goal. Sorokin, maybe a couple ones he wants back. But again, the Islanders just defensive zone structure. Wasn't great. And against Vegas, you give that team opportunities. And Logan Thompson settled in too. When he allows that tap mm-hmm. in uh, from Barzal there, you got to pepper him. And, and they didn't. And again, that wraps up a trip where they could have come home second in the Metro. They come home in the top wild card spot, one, two, and one, 20 road points this year, which is seventh in the Metro. Only Columbus has less road points and now you have two games at home which makes those vital because then they go on the road for another four
0: no doubt and that'll be against tough teams but we got a break so thanks so much for tuning into twitch.tv slash hockey night ny and your favorite podcast providers i'm going to take that break when we return david alter of the hockey news covering the leafs will be joining us we'll be right back if you're an islander fan there's nothing like a big win a tasty meal and great company and blue line deli and bagels provides all that and more Owned and operated by die-hard Islander fans, Blue Line Deli and Bagels happily serves Bagel Boss Bagels and a full menu of delicious food and beverages. Whether it's breakfast favorites like pancakes and omelets, specialty heroes and wraps like the hat trick and the hip check, or fresh made coffee and smoothies, Blue Line Deli and Bagels has you covered. So stop on in to the flagship location at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington or the new spot at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip for their familiar friendly service and the best food around. And don't forget, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com or pick up the phone and call 631-944-3222. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Did you have a nice break? Well, it's time to get back on the couch for more Islanders Therapy on Hockey Night in New York. Welcome back to the program. Ladies and gentlemen, you are watching Hockey Night in New York. and Joining us right now from the Hockey News covering the Toronto Maple Leafs is Mr. David Alter. David, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing?
3: I'm doing great, guys. How are you guys doing tonight?
0: Doing great. You're talking to Sean and Stefan. So obviously the big news coming out of Toronto right now is it sounds like William Nylander is getting closer and closer to a new deal. Maybe we can talk about that to start.
3: Yeah, it's first reported by Elliot Freeman on the Saturday and we're in San Jose and it's in the second intermission of National broadcast in Canada and so that news comes out and we had known that talks had intensified over the last few days and so in the past whenever he was asked about it he just said I'm not going to talk about that and kind of hold to it and uh, then recently we asked him and he kind of smiled while answering that way and then um, when he was asked if he was close he kind of couldn't hide the expression. He pretty much wasn't saying it, but he knows what's going on. And so it sounds like it's close and it could happen as soon as tomorrow. Certainly a high AV if it goes in and around the 11 and as Ellie Friedman reports. But that's a big commitment for a player who's right now, I believe, fourth in points right now and having a career year and certainly betting on himself and, and evidently winning by having this uh, huge impact that he's had through the first 37 games of the season. And David, let's put your GM hat on here. If you were the GM, how high are you going on a an Nylander annual value? Well, I mean, it all depends on the years and everything there, I think. I still think it's a little high, but I mean, this is just law of diminishing returns. They could have had it at 10 in the summer. They didn't do it. And now the asking price got higher. And so it's just the demand and the Leafs were clearly at a state where they're coming around March knowing what their team is now and kind of having to figure out, okay, what are they going to be able to acquire knowing Nylander is going to have that number as the term next year because the Leafs don't necessarily want rentals. They want to get guys with term back at the deadline, and that's how they're going to build out their team. They have a lot of money coming off the books a lot of one-year contracts this year outside of the core players. And so uh, you get that locked up. You get guys who have term there. That's factoring into why this number is so high. But I do think it is high, and it's really going to challenge at least as to what they do with Mitch Marner, whose contract will come up at the end of next season, and John Tavares as well.
0: Yeah, David, kind of to piggyback off of that, I was kind of just curious if the numbers are where it seems to be at 11.5 by 8.0. Just what the general fallout is is going to be for the Toronto Maple Leafs, just because they've they've had a history of struggling with the cap. Just given the you know obviously the COVID situation hurt everybody with that, but the, the Maple Leafs were one of the teams is hurt specifically, especially after bringing in John Tavares. You look at how they've kind of struggled to fill out the rest of their lineup. You know, having this top heavy salary structure with all these stars up there, is this still going to be an issue for them, even with these guys coming you know coming off the one year deals like you were talking about?
3: I think the the big thing is they're going to bank on these annual 5% increases in the cap, helping them out here and not having another pandemic that freezes things economically. But I mean, that's not necessarily a huge risk, but it's a gamble like it was in 2019 when they were doing this and, and signing a lot of these guys. So there is that factor. I think I did the math on it. If it was 11 and a half, that it would be... For the core four guys, it'd be fifty three percent for twenty four twenty five, which is a lot, a lot at that first one. But it could come down provided you assume Tavares' cap number is going to be much less than the eleven million it is right now, considering his age. And then you've got Mitch Martyr to kind of figure out and where does he fit in. He's going to want to raise from his ten point nine, which was already high as it was there. As for if they got hurt, yeah, they probably did get hurt in in terms of being able to re-sign players that they would have liked to for cap considerations. But I think, uh, at least under Kyle Dubas, we don't know how it's going to be under Brad Tree living now. Uh, as a GM, but under Kyle Dubas, I think he did a pretty okay job in getting value players at minimum deals, like a lot of hometown guys that came in like the Spezza's the Mark Trudano's right now for near minimum and leveraging those situations to kind of help themselves out. So it probably won't be all too much different in that regard and the Leafs will still be able to build around that. It's really, does the cap go up 5% every year that allows them to address the other areas? And we know Brad Trey Living wants to remake the defense with bigger guys and certainly that might eat into it for sure.
1: Dave, Austin Matthews, all he's done since he's come into this league is score goals. Are you shocked anymore when when he puts up the, the amount of goals that he's putting up at this alarming
3: rate? So what was really funny was that game against San Jose yesterday, just the release just seems to be more wicked than it's ever been. Like, it was it was unreal. He didn't score, but there was one play where it looked like the puck was behind him and there was no way he was going to get a shot off coming in across the blue line. And I believe it was in the first period. And that hits the iron, like, out of nowhere. There were, like, six posts in that game. But Matthews just keeps playing, like, target practice with the goalies right now. It's, it's unbelievable. And he's getting all of these different types of goals. And so it doesn't surprise me. I think the only thing that really maybe surprised me or left some doubt was, you know, he was playing hurt last year. And so he had 40 goals and was considered a down year. <laughs> and I guess the only thing that was going to surprise me this year was, can he get back to where he was two years ago or be better knowing that he's going to be much healthier? And so certainly he's far exceeded that. Is a guy who's got some injuries. He's yet to play in a full 82-game season for whatever reason. He hasn't played in all 82. But that doesn't seem to slow him down. And he's outpacing his 60 goal pace from the 21 22 season that won him the Hart Trophy. So, uh, yeah, nothing surprises me anymore at this point. Even when I think that there's a, a way he's kind of going down, he just seems to find a whole new level
0: yeah no he's he's been incredible just to pivot to goaltending obviously there's been a shakeup there samsonov gets waived. martin jones takes the reins over he's he's been successful seven three and zero two point oh eight 2.08 goals against average nine three two save percentage talk about martin jones coming in and kind of being a little savior here between the pipes and is this the long-term solution for this team for the rest of the season or do they kind of have to you know still worry about a little insurance there to make sure they're, they're successful
3: Yeah, well, I think the big solution is Joseph Wall once he comes back. The problem is he's not really been on the ice, and he's been hurt since December 7th with a high ankle sprain. Now, that might have changed while the Leafs were away. I guess we'll find out when they practice tomorrow. But Joseph Wall is the goaltender that they believe is their future, the one that they're going to commit to long term and and kind of be the guy. And then if that means they kind of have to go Wall-Jones for a little bit, I think now what they've seen in Jones that he's more than capable of spot duty or playing even more if that's the case. And with Elias Samsonov, it's going to be a reevaluation to kind of figure out where he's at because they've tried anything and everything with him until they put him on waivers. And he just wasn't getting that same form back that he showed last season. And so for Leafs, it's beneficial that that contract will be up at the end of the year and they won't have to worry about that cap commitment should they decide to move on there. But Martin Jones at 875000 very fortunate that, that they put him through the waiver process, put a little signing bonus deterrent in there as well to make sure no one would claim him because the Leafs have had their goalies claimed a lot when it comes to depth guys. And so... Jones was the first goalie to play in back to back nights this season. The Leafs have tried to avoid that situation. They really didn't want to put in developmental proct- uh, prospect in Dennis Hildeby that they felt is not ready yet. And so, even though he's been up with the club, Jones has been pretty well. 932. He's leading the NHL right now and goal saves above expected per 60 right now. Certainly, uh, someone who's been capable in the past of kind of playing a lot in a long stretch. And, and he seemed to have captured it here again in Toronto. So you mentioned goals saved above expected. So Martin Jones
1: is, is bailing the defense. I don't know the defense is banged up, but what have you seen from the defense, especially the guys
3: that have come in to really plug some holes here with the injuries? Yeah, so it's been a lot better over the last five games, Steph. And Like I think it's been a disaster. You look at it the you look at the expected goals of possession numbers, all that stuff for the Leafs this year, and you compare it at this mark to previous seasons, you know, they usually be in the top five, top ten. They were in like the mid to bottom third this year. Like It was really a struggle, uh, not beating teams that they're supposed to beat. A lot of the other issues, just bad turnovers and bad goaltending, a lot of stuff that was just not going their way. But the volume of shots that they're giving up against in the last five games has been fewer and fewer. And so I think the challenge was, with the goaltenders down, to kind of tell the defense and even the forwards, because they play that whole five-man unit, to just buy in a little bit more, protect the net, and be more responsible and get back to the brand of hockey that they were playing in previous years because the way it was, it was kind of pushing. It was it was not going really well. So they've really stepped it up. I've been really impressed with Simon Benoit, who's come in as a like a depth guy who was probably going to be like an eight or nine defenseman, and it has now become an everyday guy with John Klingberg out for the season and and Connor Timmins not necessarily kind of moving up into that spot that they expected him to be in. He's a physical. He's the biggest guy, six three, an agitator after scrums, always getting that extra cross check in and and ready to step up and fight for guys. And the Leafs really haven't had a defenseman like that in, in a long time. They kind of had that in Luke Shen at the deadline, and then they lost him. They couldn't bring him up. Now he's kind of filled that spot, and uh, that's really been the big difference here. So defensively, they've they've stepped up and they've been a lot more physical. That that's what I think the Islanders are going to see this week.
0: Right on, David, and I know the, the Maple Leafs are still a few games off from the halfway point, I think about four, but yeah. maybe just in comparison to, to seasons prior, like who are this year's Toronto Maple Leafs, and maybe what is the, the fan confidence level looking at this team halfway through the year here, how they performed, and, and maybe what they might need going ahead at the trade deadline?
3: I think this is a team that is just trying to figure out what they want to be for the playoffs. There's no doubt about what the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the regular season. That's been fairly established for the last five years. They've been at or near the top of the standings, 100-point seasons, all that stuff. They've done that. What they did this year under Bradtree Living is bring in a lot of more physical guys that, if it if it's a little wobbly on defense, it brings some of the other things that maybe the Leafs were missing from a postseason standpoint that can give them that edge more defensive responsibility, trust, all that other stuff. And so that's what the Leafs are this year. It's been hot and cold, but I think it's just data points that they're just trying to figure out what this team can do in its most stressed situations to be better poised for the playoffs. So I think this is actually better for them than in previous years because in previous years, they'd be an offensive juggernaut that would rise up early in the standings, and then for the last two months of the season, sometimes their fault, sometimes not their fault. Maybe it's just the way the division is, you know, Boston takes first place. And then for two months, the Leafs are not really playing for anything other than second or third in the Atlantic. And that's it. There's no fear of, of missing out and there's no real carrot at the end to try and, get out and and chase the Bruins because it was, uh, as you saw last season, there was just, it was pointless. So now fighting for their spot, playing meaningful games every day, they're building good, positive stress that I think we'll see, but I think will actually set them up better for the playoffs because they've just had to be on it every game. And there really hasn't been any type of game that they go into that, that they feel like if they don't get it, that they might be in jeopardy. And I think that's good stress for them in the future well, once the season flips beyond the deadline here,
0: right on, David. And the last one for me, just maybe you can give us a little bit of uh, Toronto's perspective on the the New York Islanders this season. I'm sure you know all the uh, the news about them blowing all these leads this year has gotten up there, but maybe what's what's your right. what's your look at the the New York Islanders coming into this game this week?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, the Islanders are just kind of they're there. <laughs> I think the. Like, it's it's hard to say because no one disputes the offensive talent that the Islanders have. They've got weapons. Bo Horvat, when when they got Bo Horvat, everyone had big expectations for the Islanders last year. And so uh, they set themselves up. They do all this stuff. And then, you know, you kind of watch in the offseason, you see some of the signings that are very Lou, like that are are, are trying to do these long-term deals for money value plays that if they don't work, at least it's minimal. But if they do work, it's a low cap hit and then you kind of figure it out. But I I think the, the Leafs just know that the Islanders can be a pretty heavy team, very physical. They've always had the one thing the Leafs have always known about the Islanders. And I know the fourth line has changed a bit, but they've had one of the best fourth lines in the NHL consistently for years in terms of intimidation factor, in terms of all that other stuff that the Leafs have always really struggled to find that fourth line. And they've been burned on that in games in New York, whether it was the Islanders or Rangers, where they would get goals against with the fourth line on. And I think in that last game, I I think Cal Clutterbuck was on for some goals against the Leafs, like uh, four, like uh, for the Islanders. So, like, it just seems to be a a real problem. That's what the Leafs really know about the Islanders. And other than that, it's really just like, you know, they can be up there, but then things kind of go the wrong way. And so... I think that's what the Leafs know of the Islanders. And then of course there's always the, the revenge factor every time the Leafs go into Long Island and the booze that you hear for John Tavares. And so that was kind of a fun experience seeing the, uh, seeing the 1000 point happen in that building just because of the, uh, the pure chaos and, and circus that we as writers and storytellers like to see
0: yeah now that you you mentioned that was there any kind of uh commentary on that <laughs> in the Toronto media oh, oh 100% his... there yeah. was so yeah, I'm curious like, to you, see you if you see had it, any nuggets for us you, yeah.
3: you see it on uh, like you see the discourse all the time when it comes to that kind of stuff right, right. like um, the whenever the Leafs go in there there's always this uh, the, all, all Leafs Twitter all I see is can't they get over it <laughs> all this other stuff. And listen, I kind of get it from the Islanders standpoint <laughs> because the Leafs kind of went through something similar many years ago with Matt Sundin, mm. where Matt Sundin, you know, the Cliff Fletcher was brought in for a second tenure as GM of the Leafs in 2008. And it was widely believed that that the goal of bringing Fletcher in there was to try and talk Sundin into waiving his no trade so that the Leafs could get assets back. And he didn't believe in doing that in a mid-season move. And I actually think what Matt Sundin did was worse because he said he his, his reasoning was, I don't believe in joining a team mid-year uh, for something like that, but then join the Canucks at the very last day eligible. Like, miss training camp, miss the first couple of months of the season before electing to sign a contract, a big one, with the Vancouver Canucks. And a lot of people forget this, but the Leafs fans did. There were there were boos. I was at that game as a junior reporter covering the visiting room uh, mm. at the All Sports Radio station in Toronto when that return game first happened for Matt Sundin there, and there were boos and there were people who were really upset at Matt Sundin. But then when they did the video tribute and all that other stuff, you know, it flipped. They're like, okay, yes. But what was funny about this was <laughs> the Islanders had a graphic ready. It said one thousand, and the booze just rain harder. Like I, I like the organization did the right thing, but the fans still gave it to him, and that was pretty fun. Oh and yeah, and so, so, so like I get it, I totally get it. The leaf, the leaf standpoint from all of that is like, okay, when is when are Islanders fans gonna move on from it? And I just maybe it's after his playing days are done, where they can't boo him inside anymore. I don't know, but like a lot of things seem to happen that were just kind of like, okay, we're gonna like. I don't think it was a coincidence You guys can you guys can correct me, but, like, I don't think it was a uh, coincidence that they retired Butch Goring's number, like, immediately after <laughs> yes, Tavares. that was, was not gone. a coincidence. <laughs> Probably <laughs> like, not. So, like, uh, all that stuff. So, like, I don't know. It's just, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, uh, I'll, but I'll, it's I'll... all fun. I love it. Like, I love going to New York. I love the passion of, of the fan base in New York and, and all that stuff. And so... I think just leaf fans or there's a lot of them and so I think they felt okay at some point give the man his due already but it just it seems like that's not going to happen anytime soon until I don't know if- Maybe when he's retired, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, and it was a uh, it was a tough scene when all the the players spilled off of the bench too onto the UBS Arena ice. That was uh, yeah, that was definitely a tough one for fans to swallow. And I think if they didn't score that goal in overtime to win the game, they'd still be uh, hurting a little bit from that night. So that kind of helped. Uh, it was brush tough for us to witness too because it happened
3: so late in the game that we weren't like in the seats to watch it mm-hmm. or like out to kind of feel the vibe. Because you know, as us writers, we have to like kind of get ready and, sure. and be kind of away from the bowl. And so when it happened i like, oh, I wish I could like feel and grab and see that energy there. But it, it was a sight. It was for sure. It was something you can see it even like in the hallway when we're talking to him afterwards. Like it really meant something to him to to not only do that, but to do it there in that building too.
0: Well, David, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining us tonight, giving us some time. I hope to have you on down the road and have a great rest of your Sunday night, man.
3: Yeah, you got it. See you guys soon. Thanks see lot, you Thursday, Dave. See
0: Get easy. All right, folks, that was David Alter, beat writer for the Toronto Maple Leafs over at The Hockey News. Great stuff and always wonderful talking about the Islanders' John Tavares saga. Another story comes out in that 1,000-point game. Of course, it was going to happen
1: on the uh, UBS. You could have guaranteed it. 100%. Like If you're a betting person and you didn't take Tavares getting points in that game, then what are you doing? But yeah, it was weird how that all played out where they actually had to ask the league if they were allowed, I think the Islanders too. If they were allowed to go into the ice to celebrate, and they gave them the okay,
0: yeah, regardless of where, yeah, they were going to be where playing. They, yeah, yeah. But if
1: you noticed after the Islanders won in overtime, was it Horvat that won it, right?
0: Yes, Horvat yeah, did he the same thing. Called everybody out into the ice. Yeah, which again,
1: yeah. everything Horvat's done. Out, you know, last year obviously he struggled, but everything he said with Shannon or in the media, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he got on the fans' good side immediately, right? And he's shown the passion. I mean, even the fans when we, you know, being in Arizona and things like that. He kept saying, like, he goes, I'm so proud to, like, be part of a franchise that has these pa- – like, this is crazy to him. Yeah. And, again, he bad-mouthed maybe the fans of Vancouver, and then cycle back and said, listen, it wasn't the fans. It was management I wasn't happy with. But, mm. yeah, David Alter, first off, does a fantastic job covering the Leafs. Really dialed in. He made a great point about the Sundin thing. I mean, it, it, it's yeah. similar. Yeah. But, see, again, the Leaf fans got over it. Even if when Tavares retires, I don't think it's ever happening.
0: It certainly doesn't seem like it. Like, if he comes back is... to do the
1: military appreciation, maybe they'll cheer for the guy that getting in the military jersey, but not for well, the only.
0: the only reason why this will eventually die out is because John Tavares is eventually going to retire. Like, it's only coming out when he shows up, you know, at home ice for the Islanders and, and the fans boom. It's not like a, a Rangers pot vent sucks. You know, unless, unless Islander fans, uh, you know, maybe this is a call to action. <laughs> but they might have to start their own Tavares sucks chant for it to extend... Beyond him, you know his playing career, right? But once once he retires, I mean, it's, it's you're telling
1: dissipate. me that Tavares is not getting to the Islanders Hall of Fame.
0: I, I you know what, I feel like. The, he will I, feel I like think he, he should will. no he will because yeah. because it's not about that like and, they, is that and what look, he did for the organization look they exactly like they put the graphic up of course they were going to do that like the, the the team is always going to do the classy thing right yeah. regardless of how the fans feel to a point and and whatever however he came to that decision however he ended up going to the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah he's gonna end up in the Hall of Fame he's done some memorable stuff for this franchise even though the most memorable thing is the worst and the most recent, you know, he's still gonna he's still gonna have a place in the island's history. I mean, he would have to have some sort of tiff with the franchise itself, a la Pat Lafontaine. Yep. you know, where they're they're at odds. John Tanelli, It took years for John yeah. Tinelli to get back in the the graces of the franchise, and for the franchise to get back in the good graces of him. Right? They were they were at odds for a very long time. So
1: you speak about the board about playing that graphic on the board. Yeah, just that we were in Vegas and they were in a commercial and they're mm-hmm. showing like, happy birthday. Then there was a proposal. Mm-hmm was on the board for 3 seconds. And mm. I was like that stinks. If she's looking down, there's no like uh, scene or anything like that
0: serves you're right for proposing <laughs> that at a sports arena anyway that's, it, that's my take on that very true but great stuff from David Alter before we pick things up why don't we take one more quick break before we do want to remind you all about our friends at Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore games for sale and for open play food and drink beer and wine fun and friends bring the magic of phones down eyes up tabletop board games to your family our staff will help you find the right game from old favorites to the hottest new releases we have everything from strategic to easy part games get off your screens for a night your family will remember looking for meetups to join our magic the gathering dungeons and dragons Lorcana, and organized play communities are welcoming for all we also do parties and corporate events located at 307 main street in huntington village go to mainstboardgamecafe.com for more information main street board game cafe find your crowd unplug your game and with that we'll take a break we'll be back attention all artists storytellers and creators of all kinds it's time to make your content stand out above the rest And Floored Media is the place to make your visions become a reality. Maybe you want to elevate your podcast and add some video, or turn that novel you wrote into an audiobook, or maybe you just need the right space to produce your daily vlog. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, and no matter the project, Floored Media has the professional facilities, exceptional staff, and intimate atmosphere to breathe life into your creative passions at every step of the process. If it's engineering, production, live streaming, or post production, you name it, Floored Media does it all. Conveniently located in the heart of Rockville Center and only a 30-minute ride from New York City on the Long Island Railroad, your creative incubator awaits. Go to flooredmedia.com for more information and email contact at flooredmedia.com for packages, rates, and availability. Hone in on your unique voice and start your project with Floored Media. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night in New York. We are going to continue the conversation. Stefan, I believe you still had some notes on that Vegas game. You want to talk about Matt Martin? What happened there?
1: Yeah. So, Jordan fart on the that's such what a you weird. Say? Name. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that know. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> Wi-Fi. No. Um. So Matt Martin gets hit from behind in the third period. Is I mean, it looked like it should have been a five-minute major. Mm-hmm. Clear as mm-hmm. day. The refs talk it over. Lane looks furious. Martin, yeah. again, very slow to get up. Third player of the game to get hurt. Now, again, mm-hmm. Zekas kind of did it to himself, missing a hit. Godier right. got tangled up. But for Martin, again, it was two guys. That guy that I just said that I'm Double not going to repeat his name got the penalty. Don't say it again. But, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm end up cursing in some language and get in trouble. But um, so after the game, I asked Lane and said, you know, did you think that should have been five-minute and a game misconduct? And here's what he had to say. Well,
2: uh, I don't think... I think Marty's back was facing him the entire time. You know, sometimes a player turns into it and he's responsible. But I don't think that uh, Matt Martin in that particular situation turned his back on anybody. I think it was clear that it was turned
3: right from the get-go.
1: Yeah, and again, it's it's one thing if a 5-2... If, if I mean, again, Martin, like Lane just said, is sometimes there's players that put themselves in really bad spots where last second they turn to the boards and that player, you know, that player's responsible for putting himself in a vulnerable spot, but Martin never turned. It was Mm. 17 showing the entire. And again, two guys, two guys hit him. And I thought that, you know, again, the refs all talk it over. And I think if they called it a major, because you can call it a major on the play and move it Mm -hmm. down, they call it a minor and it's really hard for them to then add it and make it more. Mm -hmm. But. Again, I just, you want to get, you know, Nick Cousins has been in the news a lot for the hits that he's laid. I know Kevin Bieska flipped on him mm-hmm. on Sportsnet. Just, these are the kind of hits that have to be out of this game. And again, there's accidental hits, open ice hits that happen. Bedard, you know, the other day got hurt, broken or fractured jaw on a, on a mm-hmm. clean hit, just a tough hit. A right. guy kind of like Martin again, who's, who's up there in age. It was, it just, you hate to see those kinds of things.
0: Well, like I said, Stefan, there's a clear bias against the New York Islanders when it comes to these calls. <laughs> yeah. So, nah, look, I mean, it. it did, you're right. It, it did look like it should have been a major. What you know, we're not going to find out what the reasoning is, right? They made their call, and that's pretty much it. Because, like we said before, there's no there's no public accountability, and they're not going to be explaining each and every call. But I mean, like a lot of things, whether it's goaltender interference, which you know, Lane Lambert also had an issue with, right? There was the, there was a play in front of the net where. Could it have been interference because the guy was in the crease right in front of Sorokin? Maybe I didn't think it was much. I was okay with the call standing. But but on another night, that gets called interference. But
1: So earlier in the day, mm-hmm. I forgot exactly what game it was. That exact play, maybe a little more contact to the, the mm-hmm. helmet of whoever it was, but it was called goalie interference. But to me, again, I watched that play, I'm going, Sorokin's got to, one, if he wants that call, and this is the biggest issue with that, and I know we have to move on here, is that, yeah. With that call not being made, by definition it should have been goal interference because his foot's in the crease and he makes contact with Sorokin. Now, to me, that's that's not it didn't impact the play. What this is going to force goalies to do now, though, is like in basketball when the guy goes for the n one and jumps mm-hmm. off the defender. Right now, you're forcing goalies to have to flop because if Sorokin goes to push onto Kolasar, or even if he falls back and stumbles, he could say that Kolasar was in the crease and I fell back. And yeah. now you're forcing goalies to do things that make it look worse. And again, it's. Like after this summer, I mean, we talk about it every time. Mm. Make it make it a basic thing. If the skates are in the crease, no go. Go back to those rules (laughs) where it's blatant. Yeah, because there's too uh, much interpretation. Tell the
0: Buffalo Sabers that. (laughs) Yeah, I just think
1: it's it's too much of a of well, you know, it's clear. Same thing with kicking. To me, there's so many calls that well, did he? If you put the puck in the net by kicking it or angling your skate, it should not be a goal. If it goes off your skate and your skate never moved. Fine, but if you angle or anything, it shouldn't be a goal. It's just too hard to tell at this point. But again, that's that's a topic yeah, for another day. Yeah, that's a segment
0: for another time. I think sure. we need to talk
1: about the Islanders' second line. We can do that. Okay, let's do it. So, the Islanders' second line, again, last couple of years, it was the Nelson show. His linemen's never really helped him out. Mm-hmm. Palmieri comes back from back-to-back concussions last year. Instant connection with Nelson. They're firing on all cylinders. You had Engvall to that line. It's not just the best line on the Islanders. It's the one of the better lines in hockey. Yep. And then they bring Engvall back. And I know Alter made a great point that, you know, you lock in guys to long-term deals at mm-hmm. low AAVs, and you take it, okay. I think the, it was worth the risk for the Islanders to do that. Yep. God forbid that Engvall and that line connected. Now, you know, Engvall this year, wishy-washy. Everyone loves to complain about points with Engvall. And to me, that was never an issue early on in the year because... If they counted the third assist on plays, he was getting that. And he's sure. racking up the points. For sure. The problem now is that that line isn't producing it's the way they down, were. Yeah. So I have some numbers here. Okay. Last seven games, this is all even strength. Nelson's got a goal and two assists, five on five. Last seven, Engvall. He's got one goal, and zero assists in his last 13. Palmieri's got two goals, two assists in his last 13. So essentially over the last 13 games here, it's really only been Nelson and that's an issue because these guys on his line are supposed to take the pressure off of him, especially Engvall because if Engvall's game is clear-cut north-south, the problem Mm -hmm. that got Engvall in trouble, and he's done it again a couple of times now, is that he goes south. Right and when he is and again he's got the long reach but he doesn't have the Barzal skating Mm -hmm. to evade a defender and and go the other way and create more time and space. Right, it's like slow motion. And Mm -hmm. again, I'm not blaming Engvall. That's just not his game. Mm -hmm. And with Palmieri, I mean, this is a guy that's a legit, probably one of their best long distance shooters on the team, Mm -hmm. but also a guy that cuts the net and just you're not seeing that again. Last night against Vegas. He gets in a breakaway and doesn't score. And if he scores there and the Islanders go up 2-1, especially the way Thompson's been mentally this year, right. um, he's been shelled a lot in games. And Even two games earlier, he allowed five goals. Right. And I, we were talking to the guys that cover Vegas, and they said, listen, if they score probably one or two more goals there, Thompson's really struggled to find his game again in mm-hmm. games, and the Islanders allowed him to yeah. make those big saves. And again, maybe again, you're, you're more, I'm a goalie, you're, you're a forward defender. You know when your goalies has the glove in the right hand, if you're coming down, you might forget that. In mm-hmm. the moment. sure, And I think sure. for Palmieri, he looks up on that shot. Mm-hmm. I think it was intentional to go blocker, and Thompson made a great save. But it's, again, those guys not coming through where it's kind of like Nelson has to do it all again. I don't think that's fair to Nelson. When those are two guys that are capable, they're not hurt. they got to play better, now you're thinking, okay, is it going to get to a point where Lane's got to make... It's not just, Palme- uh, not just Engvall. Mm-hmm. Does he have to maybe sit Palmieri? I asked him, I said, what have you seen from Palmieri this year? And he said he has to be quicker in his first two steps. And I said, you know, what do you mean by that? He was, it's just going to be harder on the pucks, get to the pucks. Mm-hmm. And again, that's an issue when this is a, not a rook, these aren't rookies. And again, you know, Engvall right. sat and he's bounced back. But, I mean, a couple of years ago, remember Trot sat Palmieri? Sure. And so again, Nelson needs more help. Thankfully for the Islanders, that top line's been lethal. But even the third line's struggling now, too, where they're playing limited amount of minutes. Last night, they get caught in the zone. I think it was 45 seconds all in the zone. And that was when uh, Mayfield and Boldu got caught up there for a minute 30 on one shift. Again, it's... yeah. The Islanders are having a hard time right now with their middle six. Even I think the fourth line's been fine. They were out there for a goal, but I, I just think they've been okay. The middle 6 got to pick it up.
0: Yeah, for sure, and it's something to note and keep an eye on. I mean, as as we say, every line, every player, every team goes through, you know, highs and lows, where you're on a streak, when you're on a cold streak. Right now, the second line isn't picking it up, and, and yeah, I mean, if, if it continues, then it's something that they may have to consider options, whether it's shaking up the lines, maybe bringing a guy in, whether. Oliver Wallstrom, well, maybe he's so got a look or whatever it is.
1: You may, you bring up Wallstrom, and we keep talking about it over and over. I'm not going to do the dead horse expression because I mess it up every time. Right. But he is not a bottom six guy, right? Does he? If he comes back in, do they give him a chance in the top six? Because right now, again, it has to continue and get better. It's got to get worse.
0: Yeah, but now, we're not there yet. No, we're not there yet. If we
1: get there though, and mm. Wallstrom does get a chance in the top six, mm. he's got to bury like that first game. <laughs>
0: Nine goals in a Yeah, yeah. Game. He's
1: got to do what Austin Matthews has right. done the whole season yeah, in one yeah, game. But yeah. uh, again, we're not there yet. That being said, though, two games at home against very tough teams, and I know we'll get to that in a second. You need your top six to play a true top six. And again, the top line's been great. I mean, Lee's maybe has a couple of chances last night to score, but Arizona, that line absolutely dominated. You got to see them do that against tough competition.
0: Yeah, and they they need support, and they, they're going to need it in the upcoming game. So right now, let's blaze through what's on tap. And now, it's time for What's on Tap, a look ahead at the Islanders' upcoming schedule. That's right, folks, it's time for What's on Tap, and the Islanders return home on Tuesday. They will host the Vancouver Canucks, who are at the top of the Pacific Division playing very good hockey, so that is going to be a tough test. Then Toronto comes to town, as you know. We talked about them plenty with David Alter. That's going to be, I believe, a 7 o'clock puck drop on Thursday, and then Saturday they go into Nashville. They're kind of middle of the standings, fighting for a wild card, I believe, over there in the West, so that'll be a tough game as well. That'll obviously have a little narrative regarding Barry Trotz being the GM over there, so that'll be interesting. So, Stephanie, look at these three games. What do you see?
1: Tough. It's going to be very tough. tough, and again, look at Vancouver, and they faced Vancouver already this year, mm-hmm. and they lost. In overtime, lead. yeah. blue leads, yeah. and again, you, you have to learn from your mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen in every game, streaks, whatever, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. When you play this team again, you know what their strength... JT Miller is has been incredible. Brock Besser has found a scoring judge. Quinn Hughes is probably the, one of the better defensemen in the league, and Demko is elite at times. I mean, but Vancouver just beat the Devils. I think it was 5-2. JT Miller had two goals. It's a tough team to beat. They're at the top of the Pacific. They're very confident. No Bavillier this time. He's gone. He's on Chicago. Right. But again, this is the Islanders have to find a way to not mimic what they did against them last time. And again, that was a very tough road trip for them where blowing leads was just... Every game. But I mean, again, yes. though, when you when you have a mediocre road trip going one, two, and one, two games at home. I asked Morrison, how you know how important is it now to have the crowd behind you? And he said, he said, obviously every game points at the same, but right. we're going on the road again. I mean, we got to win these at home. We got to collect yeah, points at home. Yeah, these are big games. And again, with they don't a tough month. They don't they go on the road for four more games and they close out the month. I think with three of four at home. But mm. we talked about January last year's January. Yep. How bad it was. You can't look at it. It's the division is that close again. You can't. Just give up points. I guess especially when they again, had a
0: one-one in one week, and now they're in the top wild card spot. They went from three to top wild card. I mean, that's how tight it is. I mean, you're going to have these these teams are going to shuffle themselves through the standings from here until the end of the season until a couple of teams maybe hit a stride, right? Whether it's Carolina, the Islanders, or whoever it is. These guys are going to keep flip-flopping until somebody, you know, says, okay, we're one of the better teams here, and they start taking and off. And you're it. seeing
1: the luxury again. It's just different teams. Are, like, the Flyers, again, everyone, if you talk about a month ago, it's like, all right, when are they going to drop? When are they going to drop? Right. And they just find ways to mm-hmm. keep winning games, and the mm-hmm. Rangers get points and get wins. That multiple save, I don't know if you saw, on Oh, yeah, 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 Sheesh. Anyway, Carolina, though, only gets one point in their game. The Devils lose. I mean, Again, the Islanders, not that they're getting bailed out, but those teams pick it up and the Islanders don't. It could be... Right. Three games and the Islanders are in seventh.
0: That's what makes these home games so crucial coming up this week because they drop those games and then they're gonna, you know, lose even more points there. They're gonna have the teams like the Capitals, the Penguins, you know, the Flyers, whoever it is, gain a point or two here or there. It's gonna happen just because there's so many teams involved, right? So they have to kind of write the ship pretty immediately here at home against two tough teams coming in from Canada. Can they do it? Of course. Will they? Remains to be seen. We will see,
1: and then you go, and the road trip is going to be very tough. Right. It's Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg, and Chicago. And again, Nashville is one of those teams that's struggling, like like Arizona, not to the same extent. Different teams, but if you do have a hard time at home against these two teams, you got to start your road trip on the right foot. And again, we don't know if Varlama is going to be ready. I thought mm. for Sorokin, if he had won last night, my story was Varlamov being hurt is a blessing in disguise because it allows Sorokin to play every single game and find his game. Because again, last year. When when Varlamov was out, he went four three and one. The team did, mm. but his numbers were amazing, and he ended up snapping right. a personal eight game skin, And he found his rhythm and became they that. Him goals last year, yeah. But he the numbers were really good. And mm-hmm. right now, again, mm-hmm. Sorokin's numbers haven't been great. And I thought early on in that game against Vegas, I said maybe there's uh, you know very good game against Arizona. Mm-hmm. You beat Vegas. Now Sorokin's getting into that rhythm that maybe he right. doesn't get in when Varlamov's an option.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, Sorokin wasn't great later on in that game and mm-hmm. had some issues. So again, this is a huge test for Sorokin because. Probably is not playing. <laughs> it's just, I thought maybe they would have put him in. La- if, it, if, it, if it got out of hand maybe in a the second. Back, that's it. But, but even last year when they had Corey Schneider. Right, right. No. Yeah. Sorokin played. So again, this is a Sorokin show. And this is right now where you say, this is why you paid me the big bucks. This is the point. You know, again, he's been all right. I think the numbers don't justify it. He hasn't been as good as last year, but again, high bar. But these are games now, if the Islanders are struggling, they need Sorokin, like again, it's Arizona, to bail him out. So we'll see.
0: We will see, and that'll do it for What's On Tap. And before we get into Hero of the Week, I'm going to tell you all about our friends at Isles Fix. Islanders Country, get your daily fix of Isles News. Highlights and analysis by subscribing to Isles Fix, the only Monday through Friday Islanders newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Sign up for free or become a paid subscriber for added benefits at islesfix.substack.com. And with that, we'll move in to the Hero of the Week that's right folks it's time for the hero of the week brought to you by the blue line deli and bagels half price hero which this week is the poke check featuring roast beef turkey ham swiss and american lettuce and tomato and mayo on a hero stop on in to the huntington blue line deli and bagels location for half off the poke check and with that
1: stefan rosner who is your hero of the week my hero of the week is matthew barzell it was a milestone week. Again, career yeah. point, 400 and 401. One goals, four assists. Big goal against Vegas at that point in that game. Yes. Again, you go down one yes. nothing early and Barzal, 40 points in 38 games. 11 goals, 29 assists. He is the fourth Islander to do so. Get 40 points in 38 games. Yashin, 0 Tavares, seventeen eighteen, Bailey, seventeen eighteen. Isles Fix tweeted that out.
0: Since... The dynasty years.
1: Yes, yes, of course.
0: Yes. Yeah, no, quite a quite a year for him. He's actually ahead of his pace in his rookie year as well, so that's something to keep in mind. Oh, behind.
1: and all-star for the third time in his career.
0: Yes, yes. Hopefully, he will get to defend the fastest skater championship, and I don't know how the hell that's going to work with this this new format.
1: I think that's going to be the same. Yeah. I think it's just the game well, with the draft ch- and stuff. Ch-
0: yeah, but they're changing up some of the, the competition, too, and... I don't know, I, and they're doing like the—they're basically competing against each other in the skills competition. They're doing like a a, pro, a grand prize, and they're all getting points. Like I don't think it's for the teams anymore. I think it's based on individual accolades. So that'll, that'll be, be fun. That will be interesting. Maybe we'll actually watch. Maybe we'll see. All right, so that so no, that'll go have for yours, Stefan's yeah. hero of the week. Now it's time for mine. Who is? Bo Horvat going 2-1-3 and three against the Coyotes in that 5-1 win. Obviously, they dropped the other two games, so slim pickings for finding a true, true hero here. But Bo Horvat had a big game against the Arizona Coyotes, and he's been having a big season too. And he's a guy who, if you had maybe a 5-on-5 format in the All-Star game, maybe he, he's a guy who gets voted in. I don't know how many guys the Islanders are going to get. Maybe one more guy. You'd like to think if it is, it's going to be Noah Dobbs. I just
1: think everything he's done this year, again, take away the offense. The defense. That's been more important. Again, that's not going to get you all-star accolades. Right. But that's probably the most important aspect of his game that's developed, especially with all the guys being hurt. But I do right. have one more shout-out in terms of a hero. and I, I just oh, yeah. Islander fans. Hey. Arizona Coney's Mullet Arena. That place was 75% Islander fans.
0: Wow.
1: Every time the Islander scored, you got the yes-yes chance. The... Coyotes in Arena. You could hear it on the telecast. In arena was trying to do some coyote chants and the uh. islanders are just mimicking it. But also too is very humbling, grateful experience is that at Mullet, we are in we are behind the lower like the last row of seats in the lower bowl. We're behind there. Mm. So fans can come up and talk to us. And I probably got like thirty people saying, like, I love your work. Thanks so much. Awesome. So that was Again, that meant so much. So just special shout out to the fans that really made that tr- this trip like extra special.
0: There you go. And hey, great job, Islander fans, for making the trip out west. I believe there was a lot of fans in Vegas yes, too.
1: They all, I think Arizona to Vegas, whether they flew or drove, it was yeah, it was good.
0: I'm sure that was a fun trip as well, two uh fun areas, from what I understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw a bunch of Islander <laughs> fans getting on the fight this morning. It looked like they hadn't slept in years. Yeah, that makes sense. Vegas yeah. will do
0: that. All right, so that was Hero of the Week and now it's time for questions, brewing, Ed, it's time for questions. <laughs> you know, you usually hey, say, "Hey, Ed, the question. how you doing?" You know what, buddy? You just gotta be ready. You gotta, you gotta be ready to anticipate where we're going here. There's not a, there's you not know? a format, you know. But Ed, how is your holidays? How happy New Year? How you doing? And how's how's Jay doing next to you? Jay, well, you know, tonight I'm a little more, uh, I'm a little under the weather. Oh no! You know, my
2: my New Year's, I spent DJing. I was working. Hey, uh, look at you, DJ New Year's. Missed you there. Oh. I guess you were
0: over our JD. Yeah, sick Very invite, nice. right? Sick invite. Very nice. Oh
2: well, you know, <laughs> you know, we promote.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was covering. You gotta that. check out social media. <laughs> to be fair, you. I was covering the Islanders Penguins game, not yeah, in yeah, Pittsburgh, but I had a to do. job to do. That oh.
2: happened that night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but right. yeah, but I've been, uh, I got sick that night, and I was sick all week but I'm, I'm good now.
0: You look you look pretty
2: good. Yeah, I'm recovering.
0: Right. Okay, so why don't we get into the questions, man? How how are we looking there?
2: Uh, we have questions. All First right. is from uh, MJ Beckman. Hello. He said, is Lane selective with his punishments, like scratching and benching? Yes. As, yeah.
0: as we discussed earlier, yeah, I think he is. I think all coaches are. I think some players earn their stripes in one way or another, where they're a lot less likely to get benched, even when maybe they go through a streak where you say to yourself, this guy deserves deserves it. I know Anders Lee got that talk from fans a little bit, you know, even earlier this year, maybe even last year, where, you know, he wasn't really pulling his weight in the, in the points department. He has been now. That's, that's you know, quieted down, thankfully. But, but yeah, I think certain players, you know, usually usually it's the younger guys. Usually it's the rookies and stuff. They, they have a shorter leash. They also get more learning moments here, right, where, you know, getting a lesson, like where they make a bad play. It's like, alright, right buddy get in the press box think about what you did <laughs> have a look at the game you know refresh and, and and come back and try again later and and yeah I mean it's also personalities it's also there's just different ways to handle these guys so I, I can completely understand when you know a fan base looks at a certain player getting benched like Pierre Engvall and then you look at somebody else who I guess we'll just take another example out of this this conversation Kyle Palmieri or you know somebody else who's or Cal not like we
1: talked about yeah a
0: guy who yeah Cal making a bad play you know, these guys are, are going to be handled in different ways. And, and in certain situations, Lane's going to be like, it's not going to get me anywhere if I bench this guy. That's not going to do anything. And and that might be because he's too important to be in the lineup or just for another reason, a veteran, a leader, whatever it is. So, yes, very long-winded answer to your question, yes. Trotty at 19 asks, uh, says, Riley is
2: looking like a keeper. Who sits when Pelican Pulak are back?
1: Again, I have no idea when Pulak is coming back. He has still, sound like soon? still not skated yet, Yeah, which is a major issue. Now the question is, when Pella comes back, what happens? We had talked with the acquisition of Riley Bortuzzo, Ajo got healthy. The Islanders' defensive depth was so much stronger than it was earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. But lately, Mayfield being back has struggled. Sebastian Ajo has struggled. Bolduc has struggled. It went from a lot of defensive options to who hasn't been as bad. <laughs> right. Again, yeah. I hate to say it like that, but really you're at the point where, okay, if Pella comes back, I don't think you're separating Romanov and Dobson like, ever again. I just think if you could have those guys together for 8, 9, 10 years— let them build up, sure. like with Pelik and Pulak, mm-hmm. let them build up that chemistry. Right. So, okay, okay, Pelik's a left. So Pelik play with Mayfield, maybe. And then it's Riley staying in this lineup. He, he's earned it. So now yeah. is Ajo going to be on the right side? Would Bolduc be able to play the right side? Does Mayfield come out? I mean, now, you're, now you have issues because now you have to make sure you have the right people in the lineup in terms of, you know, left defenseman and a right defenseman. And Ajo could play both sides, which gives him probably a leg up on a guy like Bolduke but Pelik's going to play. So now it's between Mayfield. I think Mayfield would stay in the lineup because of his contract. I think he's... So then it's... Okay, does Ajo stay in? Also because
0: Lane trusts him.
1: Yeah. So does Ajo stay in? Or does Bolduc go to his offside? And again, we saw that... I don't that, think
0: there's a chance in hell Bolduc goes to his offside. But we saw Ajo come he out. He has a hard, hard enough time on his, on his strong side. But we
1: saw how they thought about how Ajo yeah. came out and Bolduc stayed in. There's something there with that. Right. Lane likes what he's seen enough to do that yeah and so it'll be interesting
0: no I'm glad this came up because I, I just wanted to talk about the D in general and 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 kind of hone in on these points here is that yeah they've they've they went from that that depth situation to, to kind of like all right who's who's performing you know decently now right you know you look at You know this this last stretch of games here, and you're still seeing missed assignments. Balduk on that what was that the three one the two one goal I think it was for Vegas where
1: that guy that tried to not the guy that hit Martin the other guy. Well, Balduk.
0: Well, no, no. This is the play where Balduk was basically shadowing Stevenson behind the net and. Stevenson goes all the way around And Bolduke releases to help Mayfield out with whoever Mayfield Was covering on the other side, so Stevenson gets A free pass to, you know Just below the dots in the, in, in the circle He's wide open, the puck ends up on his stick He, he get, He's the guy who makes the feed for the goal and I, for the life of me, I don't know why Bolduc released off of him. He just gave him a free pass. But these are the sorts of plays that some of these guys are making in crucial parts of these games where the Islanders are paying for
1: it. And that's where Mayfield allowed the pass to go through his legs at the back post, mm-hmm. talking about the tapping, right? Mm-hmm. Holmstrom and everything that went wrong in that sequence went wrong, but yeah, Holmstrom, and Murphy's were, law play. Holmstrom and Bolduc were behind the net guarding nobody. And that, again, those, and Lane even said after the game, like, that's a mistake that just can't happen. He right. didn't call it a single player, but he said on that play, mistake can happen. And he looked at the one with goal interference and goes, on that one, he came to the outside, but that shouldn't have counted anyway. So he kind of excludes that again. Right. Kolasar at 5-on-5 five five, can't be left wide open mm-hmm. in front. So again, clearly a defensive mistake was there. But yeah, now you're getting to the point where it's who hasn't been as bad. Right. And that's an issue.
0: And, and I know I've been a little tougher on Duke lately. I know I keep kind of saying he's my guy to comment. Like, whenever the question comes up, and when everybody's healthy, who's coming out? And I'm like, Duke. And I think he's been doing some good things. I think that he has been making some good plays. More on the, the offensive side of the puck. But, like, he made a great— Coyotes, the back check. Yeah, that, but he also made a great pass to the blue line. What was it, Pajot or Sezikis? Was that the Sezikis play? Whoever it was. Great look, excellent pass right at the blue line. You know, springs him for a breakaway. Doesn't end up in a goal, but he has that vision. Is that when
1: Sezikis lost the puck on that breakaway?
0: I think it was. Yeah, great.
1: that's a great pass. And that's what he did so well last year in that first stint, is that his outlet—that's what Lane talked about, is that he's a physical guy, but his awareness and ability to— Make that outlet pass and that transitional play is is key. That's what he's good at, and we haven't seen that enough. But once he again, it's gonna it's all a confidence thing, and he's played better as of late compared to where he was earlier, and that's just because he's getting a lot of playing time. But yeah, yeah. it'll be so interesting to the see what happens. The thing
0: about Balduke is he's he's not a complete disaster out there. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like he goes out there and he's just making mistakes up, down, left, and right. But unfortunately, when he does, you know, make some kind of blunder, it's noticeable. And it's a play that probably, you know, anybody watching can look at that and say, all right, that shouldn't happen. And that's, that's the issue with him so far. And, and, you know, you talked about Romanov earlier where he's sliding a little bit too much. You know, if he stays on his feet, he, he's, he has much more of an ability to make a play, watch the puck. And once you slide, you're, you're out of the play, right? So the D just kind of has to pick it up completely. But that's, that's been something for this team this entire season. Even when healthy. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, getting Pellick back soon will, will obviously help tremendously. And, and you know, hopefully just overall they can clean it up.
2: Next up from DTMR0729. What's with Engval regularly losing the puck
0: after the stick handling down the ice? Once he goes to pass or shoot, he loses the puck. So he's he's had some plays where he he's on the puck and then he goes to make like a Matt Barzell kind of edge work play and like he you said, he doesn't have the same edge work that, that Barzell has, and he ends the puck ends up basically trailing off his stick. I'm sure that's kind of what you're talking about here. And, yeah, it happens from time to time because he tries. To, now, is he successful sometimes? Yes, yeah. he is, but there has been some noticeable times where he kind of gets in his own way. It's almost like he's thinking too much, right? And he, he makes one move too many where he should have dished the puck. He hangs on for a little too long It goes off his stick.
1: I don't want to say it's soft or cocky, but it, it kind of thinks like he, he believes he can make the play. Mm. And right. it's just a little too slow, and teams mm. are going to eat that up. And again, yeah. when the Islanders' defense has is struggled the way it has, just giving them, uh, the opponents, just more time in the D zone is, is not a way to earn trust. I think that's the biggest issue.
2: Yeah. Next up from CGS878 How long can Lane start Sorokin until he needs a rest and Appleby gets a game?
1: Forever. <laughs> no, because you have to look at it this way Appleby. a long time. Appleby played in the NHL in 2017, 2018, he played three games with the Devils. Then he goes down to the ECHL, and this year is his first year back in the AHL. And his numbers aren't great, but clearly there was more faith in Albee than there was in Skarik. But at the same time, Sorokin, a little tired, is still one light years better than a lot of goalies in this league to begin with. Mm -hmm. Again, let alone a guy like Albee. To me, if the game got out of hand against Vegas, just to know if Albee could make a save. Sure. I thought, okay, if they go into the third period down 5-2 or whatever Uh it was— it doesn't matter at this point. You're probably not coming back. Let Albee face some shots because then you have to see. okay, if he makes eight saves and allows no goals, at least if you think Sorokin comes to the lane and goes, listen, I can't play that back-to-back Minnesota-Winnipeg. Like, okay, we at least have trust that Albee could hold his own. In practice, you're watching Albee and he does get lit up in practice. Now again, that's no defense really. Guys coming down and just being able to shoot. But we don't know what Albee can be in a game and I think that's the question mark with how tight the division and how many points are needed at the end of the day again maybe Sorokin hasn't helped the cause as much as last year but at the end of the day Sorokin has that ability that proven recently that he could do that and I I just don't think if the Islanders I don't think the Islanders are going to go to Appleby unless Sorokin got hurt
0: yeah not to take a dig at Appleby but he's essentially a rostered salaried e-bug at this point I mean he's sitting on that bench In the event something happens to Ilya Sarukin. That's it. That's pretty much the only reason why he's there. And and he'll be there until either Varlamov comes back or they find somebody else they can pick up to take his place because, as Stefan just said, he's not exactly in in the right position to step into an NHL game with with all that lack of time out there to be somebody that the Islanders can rely on.
1: And what I will say before we get to the next question is that Varlamov stayed on the trip. To me... If he had a major injury, sure, they're flying him yeah. home. Mm-hmm. Um, again, but you could tweak something and be out four to six weeks, and it's not major. If right. you, But right. w- hopefully they're practicing tomorrow. We'll find out. Maybe Pellick's back in the lineup. Maybe Pulak skates. Maybe Varley's there. So we'll find out. But, yeah, I think it's the Sorokin show unless he gets hurt.
2: Next up from Mr. Tom Boyle. He says, Heard the contracts or contract talks are going nowhere with Jake Gensel. First, if he hits the free agency, how much money is he asking for? And do the Islanders have enough cap to sign him?
1: <laughs> uh, he's going to be a well I don't think he's going to get traded at the deadline. I think it would be a situation mm-hmm. where the Penguins are going to do everything they possibly can to bring him back. He's mm-hmm. so talented and if not, he's going to walk. Mm-hmm. Now the cap's going up exponentially, so he could ask for more money. He's been very good year after year. Mm-hmm. The guy could score. Do the Islanders have the cap space to bring in a guy like that? No. <laughs> no, they don't.
0: Not a current. Um,
1: yeah. And again, that, there was talks about well can the Islanders get him at the deadline? Guess it's going to cost a lot. There is no way, especially if the Penguins are fighting for a playoff spot at the deadline, they're not one, they're not trading Gensel, but two, even if they're maybe moving willing to move him, they're not trading him to the Islanders. And if they are, it's gonna cost the Islanders can't even afford what the asking price would be. So I don't think Gensel will be an Islander. Now you look at that line, a Gensel horvat barzal line, that's probably a dream line. Sure. But yeah, he's gonna he's gonna ask for as much money as humanly possible and the Islanders don't have it. Nor do I think they I mean, sure, they would love a guy like that, but right now I think for the Islanders it's it's defense right now.
0: Yeah, it's a nice thought. And I like T Boyle's always looking ahead, seeing who the Islanders might be able to grab down the road. But yeah, I think just with, with cap situations and and even just definitely not in season, Pittsburgh would have to fall off a cliff. If, if they're if yeah. they're competing, they're not trading anybody away from the team. And you get to the summer and you know, the islanders would have to move a lot of mountains just to make room for him and I don't, I don't see that happen.
1: It would probably start with a nine. He's been that good. Mm-hmm. Maybe eight and a half, nine. Yeah.
2: Next up from aisle seventy two, the middle six, Stefan, you mentioned this a bit earlier. The middle six has been awful lately. How does Lou slash Lane fix it?
1: I think this is a situation where they got to figure it out. I don't. I mean, one, again, maybe Parise. That'd be the only thing I mm. see is if Parise comes sure. back and goes in on that third line. Maybe Godier goes to the fourth line. Or maybe Godier, I See, I think they should try Godier on the second line with Nelson because, again, Engvall and Godier are both... They have speed. And I think maybe give. I mean, Godier has a lot of confidence. He turns the puck over a lot, but at the same time, he keeps it simple. The problem with Godier, he's a dump and chase guy. Right. That's not really what that second line needs. Now, again, if the second line struggles, though, there might be movement, but the Islanders don't have the assets to go. I don't know what they would need to go get because it's more than one player having an issue and you can't fix one issue with just one player. And they're not going to... Obviously, they have Engvall signed long-term. It's the players at this point have to just figure... They've proven they could do it, so figure it out.
2: Agreed. Next up, another one from DTMR0729. Where has the hitting gone?
1: Well, when you don't have the puck and you're chasing... That's usually when there's you try to lay hits. But when we saw it last night, a couple of hits where they just missed. Zika's right. missed one. Engvall right. missed one. But I think for the Islanders right now is where their offense is going, like Coyotes game, where were the hits? They didn't need to. Sure. Um, and
0: you also had a piece recently on Romanov saying that yeah he's trying to be more responsible. Dialing is hitting back. He's not trying to hit everything that moves that comes into the zone, right?
1: Yeah, no, appreciate that. Sure, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – Hitting's important. For, I don't know the sh-
0: difference between an adjective and a verb. Yeah, but. hitting's
1: important, but too, when you <laughs> think about opener. when you think about forward <laughs> checking too, is I'm not concerned about the lack of hits. It's more like stick placement. Mm. You know, you're, you're hitting someone to take them out of the play, but if you're also lifting sticks or boxing out, like that all does the job. I don't think, again, this league in theory, the hits have gone down anyway. Um, I just think there's games like Arizona where the Islanders didn't have to hit to win the games. And against teams like Colorado where they're flying around, the islanders can't catch them. If you can't catch them, you're not laying hits. True.
2: Yeah, we're not sure if he. I don't think he even mentioned the Islanders in general. I think it was a general. Oh, just the to dog. the league. I Died think it's. Down, but yeah, I think
1: it's such a speed skill game that it's. You have to be able to catch. Like it would have to be a, like Connor Bedard head down in the D zone. Like there's just too much finesse where if you go to hit someone you miss. Your team's at a major disadvantage whether it's an odd man rush the other way or just. Defensive zone mistakes That and
0: I think In another element It's also just Players have to be Very cautious About how and when They hit now Because they're obviously Trying to get these You know Clock cleaning hits Out of the game You know As far as hits to the head And hits from behind And you know, there's a lot of instances where players have to check themselves and, and, and maybe they're lining themselves up for what might be a clean hit, but not only do they have to think about whether they're going to get called, whether they're going to get thrown out, whether they're going to get a suspension, they also have to think about whether they're going to have to answer the bell for giving a guy a clean hit because that's what the league's turned into. We've talked about that a lot now on this show where you lay a guy out and you may have to throw your gloves down and then sit in the box for five minutes and it's probably not worth it. No, that's
2: a great point. Another one from aisle 72 I have a bet with a friend that thinks the whole fourth line will be back
0: next season. <laughs> I think Clutter and Martin will not be. What do you think? I think that's a great question because if there's any long-time long listeners in this show, I'm pretty sure I'm now like three or four years into saying this is probably the last year we're going to see the fourth line together, <laughs> and they keep bringing him back. But I'm going to say it one more time. I think this is the last time we see the fourth line together, and I just think... We're already seeing signs of that with Matt Martin being healthy scratched. That's it's happening. He's back in now. He is back in right now, but I don't think it's something that they, they were they were as eager to do in years past. I think they're they're finally seeing that, you know, maybe there's some other guys in this lineup that can contribute in different ways on that line where it's not such a bad thing to put Matt Martin in the press box, right? And you talk about the salary cap issues, those concerns. Now, if those guys, I think they're both UFAs this summer, right? Yep. The two
1: of them, right? and Martin, yeah. Yeah,
0: so if they both come back, it's it's going to be on team friendly deals. It's going to be on twilight of your career sorts of deals, absolutely. Now, would I necessarily be surprised if they were both part of the team next year? I was going to
1: say the same thing, yeah.
0: That wouldn't exactly surprise me. We know how much this team values their veterans and their leaders. I mean, Ross Johnson's a the guy they brought back, and he barely touched the ice, right? And he was on the team for nearly a decade. And Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck are two guys that this team values tremendously. And I think if those are guys that they still want to have in the locker room, they'll probably try to find a way to be there next year if there's room for them. As far as the line goes, that I, I think is is finally done you know.
1: With Godier and Fashing under yes. contract, mm-hmm. that changes things for me. Mm-hmm. If they were on one-year deals, they're both on. Godier is here next year, Fashing's here next year, so they have that. Could be a line.
0: I think that should be a line. Yeah. I think Cizikis
1: between Fashing
0: and Godier would be a great fourth line.
2: Yep. The last one we have is any update on Zach Parise?
1: No update. Lou spoke in Carolina and said there's still talks for sure. Now I I I think if he's going to come back, no joke. I think they pick him up in Minnesota. Like I really do. I think that's actually what. One, it's obviously makes sense. Efficiency. Pick him up in Minnesota and bring him back,
0: so they don't don't have to p- uh, pay for the uh, the. Well, I don't. I'm
1: just. They're going to be there anyway. Let him practice on the trip yeah. and then come home. I think sure. that was when I. Don't, I think if he's not on the team by then, I don't know. I, I think you're getting to a point where you know. Doesn't he want to get into a rhythm? If he's going to come back, he doesn't want to come back in March, right? To have one month to play. If this yeah, is, and like
0: if I he, said, who knows if he steps right into the lineup?
1: And you got to think that this is it for him. If he comes back, so if this is going to be his last year, I, you mm-hmm. think he wants to. He wants to play at least a sure. couple of months. So mm-hmm. I think if he's not back. Like on that trip, I don't. I don't know if he's coming back. Yeah,
0: I don't have like an internal deadline yeah. on it, but I still think he comes in one way, shape, or form at one point or another. As long as they don't fall off a cliff in the standings, as long as they main, maintain their competitiveness in the standings, I think eventually he comes over and, and maybe you know lose just waiting for one of those special IR situations to wedge him in a little easier than have to worry about you know waving a guy because he's he's been very good with plugging guys in and out when it's convenient and i'm sure he's waiting for an opportunity to bring zach in when it won't shuffle the deck too much
2: yeah and that was the last one we have actually for tonight
0: well then that'll do it for questions brewing <laughs> so folks it's time to wrap it up hit that music ed all right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. want to send a huge thanks to David Alter of the Hockey News covering the Maple Leafs, giving us a great spot here tonight. And, of course, I want to send a big thanks to our wonderful sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington and 317 Carlton Avenue in Carl Place. Check out the menu, order online at Blue Also, send out a big thanks to Main Street Board Game Cafe, located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Find out how to unplug your game at mainstboardgamecafe.com. And also a big thanks to Razor and Kniff, attorneys at law. Nobody likes going to court, but hey, if you have to, Razor and Kniff are ready to fight for you. Just call five one six seven four two seven six zero zero for a free. Consultation And, of course, a big thanks to our pal here, Jay Belsky, who has been sleeping for the last 45 minutes. He says thank you. At Florida, here at Floored Media, doing a wonderful job here in Rockville Center. Thank you so much, buddy. So, Stefan, where can everybody find you on the Internet?
1: At Stefan underscore Rosner on Twitter or X or whatever you call it these days. S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R. I actually put in my thing, S-T-E-F I-N. So pronunciation issue. I did should have been notice that. Yeah,
0: yeah. You're you're very uh, big on making sure everybody knows exactly how to well, say your name. I might
1: as well help people out. The spelling's not easy but, enough. But so. dude, I mean my name is S-E-A-N. I don't
0: have dude, it's not seen. It's Shaun.
1: I'm calling you Shoun Cutterwork. We find you.
0: You can find me at Shoni Hockey. You can follow the show. <clears throat> excuse me. At Hockey Night NY. On Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also follow our website at Hockey Night- NY.com. Uh What else? Let's see. Rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And uh, what else, Stefan? I don't know. I think that's it, right? All right.
1: Hockey News. Yeah, Ranger man. NHL.com. Hockey News, Ranger site. Oh, um, yeah. We got to mention that. We'll talk though, about man. that next week. And NHL.com. Thanks so much, guys. There you go.
0: Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back next week. So we'll see you then.